it was a good lesson to me that the act of forgiveness is less about the person who is forgiven than the one who is doing the forgiving. Because what the other person does with it is up to them. I can't control what anybody else does with it. But if I have offered and actually forgiven, uh, then I am free to, to stop thinking about that and stop worrying about that and stop talking about that and move on to something new and something different. And so that was the lesson for me, I think. You know, I'm not saying it's easy. I'm not saying you can just say, oh, I forgive you and then it's done. You know, this took years before I got to that point. But I think there's a lesson there for me anyway in, um, in the freedom that it gives a person to, to be able to let go. Because the opposite of peace is fighting reality, right? So, you know, I wish it wasn't raining. Well, it is raining. <laughs> you, can wish, you can wish all you want and that's not going to change anything. Or I wish this hadn't happened or I wish that hadn't happened. Um, that's, that's wasteful to me. Sure, you wish things were different, but the reality is they're not. They are what they are. And so what are you going to do with what you got? That is Jen Swanson. And I'm Brian Felchuk. The Do A Day Podcast. Will you hear from the most inspiring people who have been through hard times, overcome them, and have turned around to help others with what they've learned? I'm your host, Brian Felchuk. I know because I've lived it myself. I've written about it in my book, Do A Day, and that's why I'm bringing you this show. Remember, today's a new day. Go out and do it. Hey, day doers, welcome to another episode of the Do A Day Podcast. My guest today is Jen Swanson. Jen had me on her show, Careers by Jen, a while ago. Um, God, probably over a year ago at this point. And uh, I thought she was great. You know, we talked about career and how a do a day can help you feeding into your career. I had no clue about just what a backstory there was in Jen. I also didn't know about the other half of her life where she's also actually a minister. Um, but it was this backstory that when I launched this podcast, I reached out to her and you know, just wanted to share it with her. And uh, she wrote back and was like, you know, I'd love to be on the show and, and share my story. And that's when I realized like, oh gosh, I never even, I never even got to know your story. And so as we started to talk about it, I was like, wow, she absolutely needs to be on the show. I, I knew she was this really um, peaceful, inspiring, clear person who could help and bring inspiration. What I didn't know is how early in her life that all formed. So there's a really pivotal moment that actually started when she was just two years old. And as a 12-year-old, she did something that I think most really enlightened adults still struggle to do. She was 12. I can't get past that. We're going to get into the episode, listen to Jen's story, hear her message, how real it is, and then think about what could you do in your life on that same level that would free you in the way it freed Jen. Really, really inspiring stuff. If you like this, if you think it's good stuff, good inspiration, catch the other episodes, subscribe to the show, and, uh, and don't miss anything. But let's jump into this episode specifically with Jen Swanson. Jen Swanson, thank you so much for joining me today. Thanks for having me. This is great. Uh, I'm very excited, and uh, I have to thank you for, for bringing it to my attention that you would be such a great guest. You had me on your show and I thought you were awesome, but I had no idea about the woman behind the woman, like the story of who you are and, and how you came to be. And, uh, 
you you were so kind to respond and help me when I was launching my show, and that's where I was lucky enough to find out about your story a little bit. And yeah, I, I'm I'm so excited to bring that out. And uh, I have to say, honestly, I'm still actually kind of floored by what you shared with me. And the <laughs> well, I'm I'm going to give it away, so I'm not going to say anymore. But we'll <laughs> we'll get into that. Um, I want to spend some time building to where you're at today, but just in a nutshell, what's your, what's your current deal? And then we'll rewind quite a bit to what 12 years old, I think is how far back we have to go. Right. Yeah. Well, um, I, I'm, uh, currently working at multiple jobs. <laughs> um, I'm in halftime, uh, church ministry as a United Church of Canada minister and um, I have a lovely group of people that I, I serve uh, on a part-time basis there. And then a few years ago, I, I didn't even know what a podcast or what a blog was and uh, found myself falling into the world of blogging and very soon after that fell into the world of podcasting. That was back in 2011. And um, I, uh, I, to this day, I'm still podcasting once a week. My show brand and name and everything has changed, um, but I'm doing Careers by Jen as the podcast and the website, and I have some online courses. And I also contract uh, as a corporate trainer and go out and teach lunch and learns to all different kinds of people in different companies around uh, around where I live and uh, and do workshops and coaching and I don't know it just goes on and on lots and lots of different things so those sound like two very different worlds but I'm actually thinking they're not at all because they're both focused on enriching people and empowering them and teaching them and inspiring them just for slightly different reasons or in different ways absolutely and that's you know I had a, had a I, I remember someone uh, a mentor pressing me as to coming up with uh, a mission statement, and it's changed slightly over the years. But it's it's encouraging, empowering, and I think I can't remember the whole exactly what it is. But encouraging, empowering, and enriching others, I think, is part of it. But in everything that I do, so yeah, yeah. I try. <laughs> Beautiful purpose. Um, okay. So now the the stuff I was alluding to awkwardly and not saying, but <laughs> <laughs> trying to dance around, you you blew me away, um, really blew me away when when you gave me a little tidbit of your story. And I had all of these questions. I was like, well, the place to ask those questions is live, right? Hmm. Um, take us back to the story of, of this pivotal formational kind of thing from your childhood and, and how you handled it and how that came forward. So when I was uh, two, um, my father left my mother and uh, my brother was unyet born, but uh, working on it. <laughs> and, uh, and we didn't see him again uh, for years and years and years and years. Uh, he created a new life and, uh, and he wasn't part of our life anymore. And that was tough as a little kid uh, growing up in a time when that wasn't common yeah as it is, as it is now and um it was you know i was i was one of two kids in my class uh that you know didn't have two parents and and all of the rest of it and and that was tough and so as as you're growing up and as you're you know, going through the hormone, hormonal stage and all that, um, of the, the fun of puberty. Um, there's a lot of drama that can happen internally. Yeah. yeah. And, and I remember for years, um, 
asking why and uh, and, you know, crying at night and, you know, seeing families do things and hanging out with my friends with families and never feeling that that ours was complete, even though my mother was amazing and, um, you know, did her very best to, to do what she could for the two of us. And, uh, and I remember being, you know, here we go again, having all those feelings come up when I was about 12 and I was living in Toronto and I remember it was a really, really hot summer night and I was lying in my bedroom and, you know, um, we had actually just reconnected at that point, uh, for the first year, time, yeah, for the first time, maybe about a year before, because my uh, younger brother was having some um, some behavioral problems, and my mother had taken him to a counselor or a psychiatrist, I don't know, who said he really needs to know who his dad is because yeah. he had never met him ever, uh-huh. and uh, and so that it actually happened, and we met this person who. Um, uh, you know, was completely foreign to us and, um, had a different life and a different family, different, you know, everything. And, um, and so all the rage and everything had come up again in my 12 year old self. And I remember lying there that night and thinking, what a waste of time. (laughs) What, What was the waste of time? The years without him or the experience of meeting him again? Or for the first time, none of that, none of that, uh, all of my, uh, bouts of crying and being sad and wishing that reality was different than it was. That's what felt like a waste. And I thought this enough, like enough. Um, and I remember getting, it was really hot because it can get really hot in Toronto in the summer. (laughs) Um, think a few, you know, uh, a little bit uh, more North than New York in the summer. Um, and, uh, I remember getting out of bed and finding uh, lined paper. We didn't have computers then mm-hmm. and getting out this big stack of lined paper. And I don't know how, how long I wrote, but I remember writing about 12, 12 pages wow. of everything I'd been thinking and feeling. And, um, the whole thing was a letter of forgiveness to my dad. Um, and it was, um, it was sort of the end and the beginning all at once. It was the, um, this is how it's been. This is how it's felt. This is what it's been like. I don't even remember. I mean, you know, uh, I wrote the thing, um, you know, in this fit of 12 year old passion. Yeah. Um, and, and then signed it, you know, love Jenny at the end and stuck it in an envelope and the next day put it in the mailbox. And it was only after I had mailed it that I told my mother what I had done. You actually sent it to him. That wasn't just mm-hmm. a cathartic. I was going to ask you if you still have the letter, but you sent no. it off. Yeah. I No, I, I meant for it to actually uh, get to where it was intended. And it was like, and, and to me, after I did that, it didn't even matter if there was a response. It yeah. was act of well as you say it was cathartic it was let's let's get this out of the system so that i can stop wasting time uh you know on what can't be changed and start moving forward uh, and this is this is the thing that floored me so much for a number of reasons and i, I wrote you back and i was so 
I asked you like, what do you think it was about you at that age? Cause that, that is an exercise save for the mailing part. The writing part is an exercise that people go to years of therapy and the therapist works with them toward, you know, being able to, to write those feelings, to get in touch with the feelings enough to know what to write and to pour it out and to start to express it. But you as a child had, you, you had this clarity of, I mean, that, that sense of what a waste, what a waste of time. Like these are not thoughts that most people when they're 12 years old are capable of coming to. What gave you that emotional maturity? I, I, I'm totally blown away by that. <laughs> I don't even know. I haven't, I haven't even thought about it that way before. I just, I just knew that, I mean, I was a prolific reader. Okay. I fancied myself a writer. I used to write a lot, uh, stories and poems and, um, it was just what I did. Um, was it, was that the tone in your household with your mother? Did, was she very, you know, open about expressing how you feel and, and verbalizing yeah. and that sort of thing? So was that sort of encouraged in you? Yeah, she was a trained psychiatric nurse. Oh, so, wow. Um, there was a lot of communication, a lot of, um, a lot of talking, a lot of reading, a lot of long walks. We didn't, we, we actually were on welfare for a couple of years because, um, while she went to nursing school mm. and, uh, to put herself through school, we were on social assistance and, uh, didn't have a car and lived in rented houses. And it was very, very, um, you know, modest existence and so a lot of the time was spent going out for long walks by the river um, or doing art, you know, things like that, because yeah. it's it's very cold and snowy there in the winter. And uh, and so there was a there was a lot of um, a lot of talking that was encouraged. So, yeah, that is uh, that's really beautiful and really valuable. And I'm just thinking if you didn't have that. And that sense of being able to talk about it and the encouragement to, to you know, to express, including through art. Um, I wonder, I mean, it, it's irrelevant at this point, but I wonder where you would be today relative to what you had been feeling as a child. And, you know, would it still be bottled up in you? Would you still be carrying that hurt? Because as you say, it's not whether it was received and read and responded to is totally irrelevant. You weren't writing it for him and his reactions. You wrote it for yourself. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I also, I knew then that I had uh, faith. I knew then that I, um, you know, I didn't, couldn't express it properly because that was something that wasn't part of my growing up. Mm. Um, I would have long conversations by myself with God, you know? Um, and I knew that, I knew that there was something bigger. There was something, um, there, there was something else, um, other than this, you know, the muck that we get mired down in. <laughs> mm. Um, and, uh, and so I think it was that, okay, I've, you know, I've spent a, enough time on this, you know, in this loop, let's get out of this loop and see what else is out there. Yeah. I don't know. I just, I, I've reflected back on that moment many times over the years. And it was definitely one of those moments that, um, makes a difference. I think. That's really beautiful. And then as you go forward from sending this letter out, it's, I can imagine it's like a, a weight uh, that you're you put in this envelope and, and it's now gone from your body and, and you go forward. How does that play out going forward? 
Well, it's a good lesson that it's, um, it was a good lesson to me that the act of forgiveness is less about the person who is forgiven than the one who's doing the forgiving. Um, because what the other person does with it is up to them. Um, I can't, I can't control what anybody else does with it. But if I have, if I have offered and actually forgiven, uh, then I am free to, to stop thinking about that and stop worrying about that and stop talking about that and move on to something new and something different. And so that was the lesson for me, I think, um, in, uh, in that. And it's not, you know, I'm not saying it's easy. I'm not saying you can just say, oh, I forgive you and then it's done. You know, this took years before I got to that point. Um, but, but I think there's a lesson there for me anyway, in, um, in the freedom that it gives a person Mm. to, to be able to let go because, um, the, the, the opposite of peace is fighting reality, right? So, um, you know, I wish it wasn't raining. Well, it is raining. <laughs> you can yeah. wish, you can wish all you want, and that's not going to change anything. Yeah. Or I wish this hadn't happened, or I wish that hadn't happened. Um, that's that's wasteful to me. Like it's a waste of time to to, you know, sure you wish things were different, but the reality is they're not. They yeah. are what they are. And so then, what are you going to do? What are you going to do with what you got? Yeah. You know? Oh, I love that. I I keep thinking about um the idea that, you know, when, when we walk into a wall, you know, or, or, uh, not a real wall, like a, a figurative wall in our lives, some people will just keep, you know, smacking their head against it or just wishing it wasn't there. Mm-hmm. It's still there. But if you back up, you might notice that there's a door over on the side. You know, you don't have mm-hmm. to keep bashing your head or pretending it's not there and then thinking you can walk through it. There is a wall there. You need to acknowledge it, but maybe there's another way to go about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. And that's, uh, that's, that. I, you know, I've sort of carried that with me in, in all of the work, um, well, in the work that I do and the work that I try to help with the way I try to help other people is yeah. acknowledging that, yeah, things happen. Life sucks sometimes, you know, <laughs> there's, there's rotten stuff going on all the time for people uh, yeah. everywhere you turn, somebody's getting diagnosed with something or, or, you know, uh, relationship is ending or, uh, you know, a tragedy happens, something, something bad is happening all the time. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's, you know, nobody said this was going to be a a cakewalk. So, (laughs) so how do you manage and where's your resilience and, uh, where do you find the hope? Well, that's life. You know, we can't just, Mm -hmm. once I get through this, then everything's fine. It's like, well, that's not the way the world works. (laughs) It's not actually. Yeah. So you can't just wait for things to stop. You need to figure out how you can get through despite whatever's happening or not happening. Some of the most, the most, uh, I I don't even know what the word would be, philosophical or profound people are are the people that I I sit with sometimes who are in their 90s now, uh, who have been through, you know, the war, who have been through um, uh, prohibition who've been Mm. through the depression who've been through, you know, and I was sitting with a a 96 year old fellow the other day and, uh, and just the, 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 the wisdom of, 
you know, him thinking back over his life and all the things that have happened and, and what, what comes up an awful lot uh, in these conversations at bedsides that I end up having now in, in my ministry work is a feeling of gratitude for, for, you know, from the people. They are grateful for what they, what they have been given in their lifetime. You know? mm. Yeah, I mean, we need the ups and the downs to add up to the complete picture. And yeah, I remember someone asking me if I regretted, I think we were talking about applying to colleges and I had my heart set on one school when I was a junior. And of course, as a senior, I wanted a different school because you change. And someone was like, you know, do you regret not going after the one that you thought about first or not getting in there, you know, whatever that I didn't end up going there. And I was, I was in my late twenties. I was either engaged or married at that point. It was kind of like, well, you know, if I, if I ended up there, I wouldn't be where I am now. I wouldn't have this woman by my side. I wouldn't have, you know, any of these things that I'm very thankful for. So, you know, whether it's the school you went to, which honestly is, is a little bit of a petty thing to be like, Oh, you know, why did this happen to me? But whatever the thing is that we begrudge not having, that's a choice and you wouldn't have any of the other good things in your life because it is a, a chain reaction. You know, it's a series of events that are intertwined. Yeah, I can't, I can't remember who said it, um, but the expression life happens for you, not to you. Yeah. Is yeah. one that I like. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I was just listening to a podcast uh, the other day and the, the guest on it, I got to open the app to see what his name is. Um, he, let's see, available episodes. What is his name? Eduardo Garcia. Right. I was going to say that and I was like, no, I must be wrong. Um, <laughs> so he's, he's a chef. Um, this is the Rich Roll podcast. Um, he was out hiking and found something he wanted to, to check into. It looked like a dead baby bear in a, in a, like a half oil drum. And oh. he, he had a knife and he reached in to move the bear. And when his knife got close, an electrical arc jumped up and went through his body because it was uh, what this was, was this dead bear actually had been electrocuted. This was a, a now exposed uh, live wire. Oh, no. <laughs> and um, the charge went through his body and fried him. I mean, he was pretty horrifically injured. Um, one of the, the many things that happened to his body was one of his arms. Um, he lost his hand. The, the one that was holding the knife was basically like, you know, from halfway down the forearm forward was charred and ultimately he became an amputee. Um, uh. he's got an incredible story, incredible life, like really, really inspiring and all the things he's achieved, you know, it's just really, really beautiful. And Rich asked him, you know, if, if there's any way, and, and he knew the answer because, you know, you could feel it listening to him, but in any way, does he regret or does he wish that it didn't happen? He said, no, I wouldn't, like, there was no hesitation whatsoever. He's, he would not go back and not have that happen, mm-hmm. which I think is a pretty, like, you know, if uh, my example was about college, you know, this is, uh, the guy lost his hand no and kidding. he was severely, severely injured. And he's got, I mean, injuries all over. He's missing ribs. He had part of his, his head, uh, had been like his scalp was, I don't want to get too gruesome, but, and in the midst of all that, he also got testicular cancer and had to stop his reconstructive surgery to get chemo for, I think two years. So it's like, I mean, just such a, a hard story and he wouldn't change any of it, which is mind blowing. 
you know, when it we, is. we think about, oh, it's so hard what I'm going through. And I, you know, I wish, I wish I wasn't going through this. It's like going back to your moment where you said, yeah, what a waste. Yeah. And I, and I mean, it, it, it does amaze me when people who have come through something like you've just described or something like losing people in battle or, you know, the, the things that are really, really physically and, and, you know, traumatic and, you know, it makes, it makes, you know, not having a parent, uh, because of a, a divorce, not traumatic at all, really, but it's, it's the result of it, right? It's yeah. what does that do for you in your life later on? But it is amazing that, that people who go through some of the hardest, most horrific things can, can be, um, can say things like, I'm not, I'm, I'm glad it, it, you know, not, I'm glad it happened, but I wouldn't change it at, at least. He, I will say he almost seemed thankful, you know, yeah. to, it, to go from forgiveness to, to thanks for it is, is interesting. And look, it doesn't mean everyone has to feel that way. And I think you hit on an interesting point. It's not a comparison or a competition of who had the worst hardship. It's, it's what we experience for ourselves. And, you know, you're not living my life. I'm not living yours. So it's not, it's not relevant to me whether what I went through is harder or easier or whatever. It's, right, right. But you, you really, I mean, I think yours is a, uh, a fairly extreme example of the power of that choice. And mm -hmm. I say this over and over again, but the word choice offends a lot of people in these contexts because they didn't choose for any of these things to happen. No, but what you do with it once it happens, that is the choice. And it may be tough, but it's still a choice. It is. And I did a, an episode not that long ago. I can't remember what number it is, but on career regret. And, um, and I talked about that, about, uh, choosing again, choosing to reflect on it ad nauseum or choosing to reflect on what it's led to. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I've, I've had career regret, re regret. I regret the way I just said it. Um, <laughs> but you know, it, there's a reason for it. I've gotten a lot of great things from it, including learning more about myself and the kind of leader and employee I want to be. Um, and I've gotten some hilarious stories that maybe weren't quite as funny at, in the moment, but <laughs> <laughs> in hindsight, right. they've been good fun. Um, I, I am really, really curious. Did your father write back? You know, I think it was basically a very, you know, thank you very much for your letter. Uh, it was nothing profound. It yeah. was sort of obligatory. I need to acknowledge this, but I don't really. It was, you know, it was polite. And yeah. it, but I, 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 I wasn't even, I don't even remember the feeling of what, what will I get back or what will it say? Or I wasn't putting anything on that. I think yeah. I was, I was truly done when I dropped it in the mailbox. Yeah. And, you know, we have a relationship. We, you know, every once in a while, I'm on the other end of the country. Every once in a while we'll send an email and, you know, it's about the weather <laughs> or, really? you know, about, about, you know, there's nothing profound in that relationship mm. at all. Um, but, um, but that's okay. You yeah, know, that's, that's just, that's how it is. <laughs> you made your peace with it so long ago. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I heard someone use the phrase, I'm over it today, which mm -hmm. I have to say is one of the funniest phrases I hear because usually when people say that they're worked up and yeah. you see someone who's like crying, like I'm over it. It's like, wait, yeah. well, then why are you crying? Um, 
So I was about to say you were over it, but I, I mean that literally, not, not the way <laughs> that, that phrase tends to be used. Yeah, I mean, I still, you know, I still feel sad on Father's Day. Sure. Um, there's, there's, I've never experienced, except, you know, with my husband and that, but never, never as a, a daughter mm. and a father doing anything together. I've not experienced um, many of the things that people experience with their fathers. Yeah. And, uh, and, you know, so there's, there's, there's sadness there still. I mean, yeah. it never goes away. Um, but it's not what it was with, yeah. with the intensity or the drama or the, um, anger probably. It, it doesn't have a power over you. It doesn't, it doesn't anymore. Yeah. It's just how it is. And, and that was a choice that was made and I wasn't even involved or even part of it. It had nothing to do with me. Yeah. Um, and, you know, as an adult, you figure all that out. But when you're a kid. As a little kid, you don't. Know. <laughs> yeah. I'm I'm curious about your mother and all of this and what, I mean, you're not her, so you can't directly speak to it. But the fact that, you know, she raised the two of you on her own. She put herself through school. Um, I, I get the feeling she's a very strong person. And what, what was her experience with? maybe not speaking about her actual experience with him, but her experience with what you did and what you went through. Cause you told her what you did. So what, what was her take think, on it? I think she was really surprised and I didn't probably tell her all of it. Like yeah. I didn't tell her. Um, I, I don't know that I told her a whole lot about it actually. Was I just, she surprised that you did it or surprised yeah. with what you were feeling or all of it? I, I, I don't think she, I think she was surprised that I did it. Mm. Um, and, and I think she said, good, you know, mm-hmm. um, I think she was glad that I did it, but mm-hmm. I don't think we had great long conversations about it after that. Yeah. Um, I think she was angry that I was feeling all of those things, not angry at me, but angry no. at the situation was, yeah. you know, cause you're, you don't want your kids to hurt. Yeah. Um, but I don't, I don't think we had any great long conversations about it, actually. Yeah. I think it was like, yeah, I did it, and I didn't, I didn't consult anybody. I just did it. And then uh, it was done. And then it was, okay, let's <laughs> wow. literally, let's move on. Yeah. I, just, I can't get over the fact that you were 12, and that, like, that is unbelievable. I know. I guess when I think about it now, I think, oh, yeah, that was – I don't know. It just seemed, it, it just seemed um, like something that had to be done. Yeah. In order to not be lost. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Um, I'm curious about in your work today, do you do you get involved with people or try to help people that are in a similar kind of situation? Have you found that, you know, you've dealt with people who have been abandoned like that? I remember being in, uh, in a ministry position where I had uh, an angry son come in. Uh, he was an adult and his elderly parents were about to celebrate a, a, a milestone anniversary. And the son was uh, threatening to come into the church and disrupt the ceremony hmm. and and hurl all sorts of accusations at his parents about how um, he had been raised. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, and I remember having about a two-hour conversation with this person and saying, you know, that would that would make you feel good for about 10 minutes. Right. 
but they're they're beloved people in this community and um it's it's going to embarrass them and shame them uh, but they will still be loved by all of these people so i'm not exactly sure what this action that you're threatening to do would accomplish um it was pretty clear pretty pretty quickly that there was mental illness going on with this fellow so uh. I ended the conversation at a certain point and I said, you know, I can't control what you're going to do, but you could take the high road on this one. Yeah. Did he? And he, he did. Oh. Yeah. He never, he never did come in and disrupt. He, he, he didn't come at all. So, but you know, it made everybody else sort of worry. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> this so guy was going to show up and. That shadow uh, over the event. And, and really disrupt and damage the, you know, the, the, the celebration that it was supposed to be. So uh, thankfully he didn't do that. Yeah. But, um, but trying to say to people, you know, yeah, uh, you know, it's, un you know, it's unfortunate and you can't go back and change things. Right. You can't go back and change what's been chosen in the past or what's happened in the past. So where are you at now and where do you want to get to and how can I help you get there? Yeah. Well, I think that's the, the advice for anyone that's in a situation, you know, whether it's something as similar to what you went through, a uh, situation of abuse or, or, or anything where you feel wronged, betrayed, deeply hurt by the actions of someone else and how that's personally affecting you, it, it's exactly those questions to consider and think about not, not them and what it means for them. Because as you say, forgiveness has nothing to do with the other person. I was... I brought this up in another interview, but the Oprah's story of forgiving the man who abused her. Mm. And, you know, that, that sounds unconscionable to a lot of people who have been abused, but she says it has nothing to do with him. Her forgiveness didn't do anything for him. It did something for her because she's the one who was carrying the pain, not him. So the forgiveness well, was her way of, of letting go of it. And sometimes the person that you are forgiving has no idea right. that you've forgiven them. Right. right? It, well, yeah. I don't know that she ever forgave him to him. I don't know that piece of the story. She forgave him for herself. Right. Yeah. It's about it's, the pain you're carrying. Yeah. And it's, it's powerful. Yeah. It's so freeing. Yeah. And you, the, uh, the story about this, this adult, you know, man, uh, with the, the parents who are going to celebrate that, you're absolutely right. It's that momentary, you feel better yelling at someone because you get it off your chest and you teach them a lesson or however you want to phrase it. But then what? And it probably mm -hmm. won't happen the way you want it to happen. So then you're going to regret it and you're going to wish you said it this way or they said this or you're going to end up worse off. Well, one of the questions I had for him is, is that if you do that, is it going to change anything? Is it going to change anything about what happened before? And he said, no. I said, well, <laughs> yeah. Then, then what is going to change? You know, yeah. what, what, what can you, you know, what can you do going forward? I mean, it's coaching, right? What can you do going forward that will get you to a place where you feel comfortable and happy and peaceful with yourself? And, and how can, how can we work with you to get you there? Yeah. Yeah. I keep thinking about a, a conversation my wife and I've had in the past about dealing with someone who, you know, is really frustrating me or has hurt, hurt me. Um, 
and you know, and I'm like, you know, I'm going to say this to them or I'm going to sit them down and, and tell them like, look, this is what you did. And she's always asked me, you know, what do you expect to happen from that? You're, you know, telling them the, the truth, you know, quote unquote, the truth of what happened. So they understand how bad their actions were, how hurtful it was. Do you think they're going to accept that? Do you think you're going to teach them a lesson? And what is that lesson and what's the outcome of them learning it if they can even do that? And that's, you know, all those things are about me airing my anger, not, and, and this sort of like idyllic version of how they accept it. They're not just <laughs> going to open their arms and say how sorry they are. And no, they're probably going to fight back and say, I'm crazy or they disagree or I'm too sensitive or, you know, whatever the situation is. But it's, you know, it, it's right of her to, to get me to think about what is it I'm trying to achieve here? And when you pause to do that, you think, well, is this actually ever going to get to that? Yeah. And I think, I think one of the, the thoughts um, about writing rather than having a conversation was that I was able to just say everything yeah, it's a without good point. interruption, right. right? Without interruption, without argument, without a scene. Yeah. To just say absolutely everything. And, and then, you know, and I don't recommend people write these big, long things and hit send (laughs) (laughs) without leaving it uh, overnight or leaving it for a bit and really thinking uh, about what it is they've said and what they've done. I mean, this was, um, this was before the internet, right? It would have taken a few days and, (laughs) um, but, but in, in my particular case, I didn't regret any no. of what I wrote. Um, and it was just basically saying, this is how I've been feeling, uh, about life so far. And, uh, and you know, it was, it was, it was, uh, more of, uh, how it affected me, not you did this, you did that. It was none of that. Yeah. So I think in, in, in that situation, like when I'm coaching people or when I'm, um, teaching communication, which I did for many, many years in the college system. Uh, and my, my, uh, blog and podcast started off as communication diva, <laughs> which was tongue in cheek, um, was uh, helping people to talk about how whatever the person's behavior was affected you and your response to it. So it's using the I language and, mm. and telling about your experience of it rather than saying, you did this to me, you did that to me. Yeah. You know, it, it, rather than that, uh, it would be, this is how I felt when this happened. Yeah. And it's hard to argue with that. Yeah. Because feeling, feelings exist, right? They're not, there's no judgment around them. They just are. Right. And they like to be validated. Mm-hmm. Um, and you totally threw me a loop, threw me for a loop with diva. I'm, I'm stuck on that <laughs> word. <laughs> I think, tongue in cheek. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure nobody listening is picturing you as a diva right now. No. Like, oh, she's really beautiful and deep. And wait, diva? What's... It was sassy and it was... That's uh, hilarious. It was time to change it last year when I realized that I was more and more focusing into um, career and yeah. self-awareness and self-development stuff. So. Jen, is there is there a general, a, a general bit of advice for people to, to do? I mean, what you're talking about is introspection and reflection and letting go and, and being in touch with what you're feeling, but 
you know, giving it its space and then finding a way to come to peace with it, not ignore it, not bottle it up, not shun it. Mm-hmm. That I mean, to me, that's, that's a general thing that we all face in, you know, to different degrees in different situations. But do you deal with that? I would imagine in pretty much every engagement you have. And, and is there some general advice that you give to people for how to face it? You know, I tell everybody, I've been saying it in every workshop that I've done lately and in a keynote that I did in, in February. And um, I've been saying to people, you are your best investment. And what I mean by that is not in a frivolous way. Um, that That sitting down with yourself and doing that self-reflective work, uh, growing your self-awareness, doing things to um, be less stressed, uh, to get you know professional help if you need it from a therapist or, or a coach or a counselor, um, spending the time and spending the money if you have to on looking after you and your well-being is a gift to the world. And I'm not talking about it in, you know, go out and buy yourself a fancy car or, yeah. or whatever. I'm talking about doing the hard stuff, the yeah. work, and and looking after um, your your needs as far as rest and rejuvenation go so that you're less um, apt to get into conflict and you're less apt to make wrong choices and all of those things. So. Yeah. So that's what I'm telling everybody these days is that you you need to invest in yourself uh, and in your self growth um, to be to be that gift that you are. Yeah, that is really beautiful, um, and I'm I'm glad you clarify it's not the material. I you know wasn't getting that vibe about it, but the material actually, if that's where you're turning for it, that's a sign that there's way more work to do because you're. Yeah. <laughs> it's you know it's it's something to it's a band aid it's. It's that 10 minute, you know, yell at them and feel better for 10 minutes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, go buy something and you'll yeah. be happy with it for about 10 minutes and then. <laughs> right. Or or food or alcohol or drugs yeah. or what you know, whatever other thing you're using as your surrogate for really working on the emotions. Yeah. Um, what, what's the uh, retail therapy? That's the term. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, yeah. Well, as someone who, for me, it was, it was eating, you know, and I, right. I would keep going back to it and I know. I wasn't eating because I was hungry. I was eating for that emotional hunger. And mm-hmm. as soon as I was done eating, of course, food does not actually satiate. It doesn't It doesn't take care of the anxiety and the emotional debt. So I would just be hungry again. And it's like you, you actually can never fill that void unless no. you do the work. And it, it emotion needs emotional work. Yeah. It's like any addiction, right? It's It's um, kills the pain for a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, what a beautiful conversation. I'm really, really glad we got to connect on this. And uh, so I'm just I. very Thank thankful. You. <laughs> yeah. And thankful for for your honesty and vulnerability, vulnerability and openness about it. It means a lot. Thank you for uh, for listening. It uh, it was uh, it was lovely to have this conversation. I don't think I've ever really had a conversation about this before. Wow. I. <laughs> So that is a shock to me. Um, I mean, in different settings, maybe a yeah. little bit, but not uh, not uh, quite like this. Yeah. When I guess in your work, it's not about you. It's not about your story. No. That just no. informs how you go about the work that you're doing. That's right. Well, I'm glad yeah. that you shared it today. Um, 
where where can people learn more about you and the work that you're doing? Not communication diva, obviously. That's past. <laughs> well, if they do that, it will still come over to careers by Jen, J E N N dot com. And uh, and you can find me on Instagram and Twitter and Facebook under careers by Jen. And I've got um yeah, there's a little video there and there's uh information. Um I wrote a book and there's online courses and coaching and stuff. So so that's the best place to find me is there. You have to plug the name of your book as well. <laughs> it's called What They See, How to Stand Out and Shine in Your New Job. And it's uh, it's for people who are starting a brand new job. And it's uh, everything from the self-awareness piece. There's a, a chapter called 30 Day Risk Challenge to help you grow and take take risks if you're uh, a little timid mm. and uh, talking about how to put your best foot forward so that you shine in your new, uh, in your new chosen career. Yeah, I, that that's oh. great. Um, as someone who has had the pleasure of employing some really great people, it's not to say if you don't make a great first impression that you're done, you can, you know, you can build the impression of you, but if you come in right and you establish um, you know, yourself as, as a great asset to the company right off the bat, or, you know, organization doesn't have to be a corporate setting. Um, the possibilities, the opportunities, the path that that starts to open up for you is, is pretty huge. So why not do that right off the bat if you can? Yeah. And I think what I found was I was teaching communications to healthcare people and, and mostly, um, 20 somethings who hadn't really been out in the workforce mm. and, and they hadn't learned any of this, like professionalism and uh, even what you what you carry with you speaks about you sure. and what you keep on your desk and, all, you know, if you're showing up on time, et cetera. I mean, some of the basics that that uh, I don't know how people learned it in the past, but that, you know, people hadn't been taught. And so I decided to put it all together into a book that's short and easy to read and uh, uh, informative, you know, useful for people. Yeah. Yeah. Great. I will add that to the links, including the links to your podcast and your website and social media as well. So people can find that very easily. Thank you again, Jen, for joining me. This is a, uh, I I'm really moved and I'm sure people listening are too, but selfishly I'm, I'm good with like, I've gotten a ton out of this. So I'm really thankful <laughs> either way. Well, thank you, Brian. It's been, it's been wonderful. You want to help me close this out? Absolutely. All right. Today is a new day. Go out and do it. Excellent. Thank you so much, Jen. <laughs> Thanks, Brian. Right. Uh, I can't get over Jen. And I said in the intro, like this notion that at 12 years old, she did what she did. I, I'm blown away by that. So impressed. And so it's no wonder that she continued to develop into the person that she is today. And you just, you hear the peace in her voice. You hear the stability, the evenness, the sense of, not carrying turmoil forward with her that let's face it she very easily could have done that um, super super inspiring for anyone who has hurt in them anyone who has felt that sense of betrayal or um, you know just not understanding why why someone has done what they've done to you and I think it's pretty much a given that we all have some situation in our lives like that, you know, to different degrees, but Jen's message matters. Really, really helpful. 
So I hope everyone is taking inspiration from that. If you want more inspiration, of course, keep listening to the show, subscribe, get the other episodes. But you should also think about digging into do a day because it's this well-rounded approach to how to dig into your biggest issues, your biggest struggles and overcome them. If you're not ready to pick up the book, you can get a sense of it from the TEDx talk that I did on it. Just go to brianfalchuk.com slash TEDx do a day and you can get the TEDx talk. You can also get the link to it out at doadaybook.com. If you scroll down on the homepage, you'll see the TEDx talk as well. I'm so glad you joined me today. I hope you are too. I think this was a beautiful episode. I think Jen's amazing. I think everybody needs that inspiration to help them go out and do it. Thanks, everyone.